over the weekend. It broadcasts not just on Twitch and TBS, but also Twitter as well. We know the numbers that we got from TBS, though. And to be honest, it wasn't as pretty as some of the other weeks. Why? Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. And, you know, for me, I'd like to dig through the data a bit more. I had the Twitch data, um, so I'm analyzing that right now. I have some stuff on Twitter um, correlation-wise, so I'd like to look at that as well. So, I mean, there's lots of factors. I think, you know, did Twitter have a potential effect on that? Maybe. I mean, here's the thing, just focusing on Twitter for one second, Mm -hmm. I thought it was a phenomenal job. I mean, for me watching it on the mobile device, you know, I personally thought the feed looked better than, you know, what I was seeing on the Twitch side of things. So it I did. think kudos to that team for just a great product. I mean, Twitter, you know, obviously, you know, scale and platforms and video, so they nailed it on that. You know, you know, actually, actually, let's 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 actually jump in and let's talk about it right now. Because to be totally honest, this was like a big portion of what I wanted to talk about today, and I think it's a great transition into it. We can even jump back to TV numbers here in a second. Um, so, so I agree with you. First off, the feed looked beautiful. It was the best esports feed that I've seen so far up to this point. It looked that good. I don't know if that was due to the fact that it was a relatively small audience that they were broadcasting to. It didn't take up that much bandwidth on their end. Or, I don't know, I don't want to speculate at this point, but it looked great. Did you see anything, though, that Twitter did that especially caught your eye apart from the quality of the broadcast? Oh, yeah, and I will comment one thing is, let's just say some information I got is, you know, in terms of where Twitter is, in terms of the platform, what they're doing is, there's clearly a way of how to figure out how to do HD video really well. The one thing I'll point out to is, they did a broadcast of Wimbledon a couple weeks earlier, and it was just as crystal clear. So, you know, again, the broadcast is phenomenal. So it was really good. Now, in terms of the other thing I think is really important, something that I'm working on that I'm going to be writing on, too, is here's the thing with, with Twitch chat. And, again, let's also be clear, this is not a knock on Twitch. You know, they've done a phenomenal job getting us live streaming. What they've done in mobile is phenomenal. But when you look at Twitch chat, it's like a fire hose of emojis and kappa. It's very difficult to actually, you know, get a conversation somewhat going. Now, Again, from my focus, from a brand and monetization perspective, what does it see if you're, for example, Domino's Pizza, right? So I thought it was really interesting that, you know, either Twitter started to do this already, but as I was watching the feed, I had gotten, for example, either people that I had followed or, you know, they're using their algorithms to actually, you know, spur up conversation that's important to me at that moment. So I think comparing Twitter, you know, and the way the communication happens on Twitter and the way communications happen on Twitch chat, I think that's huge, right? So if you're like, again, a Domino's Pizza, and you could tap into that conversation at that moment, I think from Twitter's brand perspective, that's enormous. I think that's a big thing that stuck out to me initially of where it's different from how you view it on Twitch, again, on your same mobile device. Now, now, riddle me this, Batman. Do we think that that is purely because of the different media, or is it an issue maybe with scale? Because, you know, we could potentially argue that if you look at a Twitch channel that has about 30 or 40 viewers, the conversation is usually not bad. It's usually substantive. You usually have, and I'm saying usually because obviously there are exceptions, but usually, um, apart from there being more images and emojis and stuff like that, have a decent audience that is willing to talk about the content they're viewing. The problem usually becomes when you have 100,000 people trying to watch it at the same time, and then no one can get a word in edgewise, and it just becomes Kappa Pride, Kappa Pride, Kappa Pride. 
Um, <laughs> so is that do you do you think that there's any part of that, or do you legitimately think that the Twitter platform will actually allow for uh, more substantial conversation? So I think I think you're halfway there, which is that I think in the shorter scale, it, it definitely works, and you can have a conversation, and it's definitely fine. But at the end of the day, if you're trying to monetize again. Twitch makes their money from advertising, just like Twitter does, is you need to somehow control that conversation or provide that conversation that's more important from the brand side. Now, I'll give you one example on why, where I think it's, you know, halfway there. And the other half is just the way the platform is set up, right? Twitter is like, you send a tweet, that's one sort of unit, and that's get linked around, and then someone else comments back. With the way Twitch chat is set up, unless they totally change their back-end framework, they can't connect Twitch chat that way. So, for example, Kevin, you and I are in Twitch chat watching Overwatch. By the way, I have some secret information on there for you in a second. But if we're watching Overwatch together, um, well, I can't, like, really connect with you. But if you're watching with me on Twitter, because of the way we both follow each other and some of the conversation, their algorithm can make our conversation seem closer together. So now it's like you and I are watching it together, you know, in different parts of the world and the country. So I think that's really amazing. Definitely. And I, I, I do think, especially the way that they're integrating their chat and that fact that it actually does push to your main feed and it just taps into the existing hashtag, I think is a lot better way to go about this. So I, I definitely agree with you. Um, and we're talking here with Manny Anacol, of course, who has just started uh, his new website, TNL.media, the next level, where you can check out a lot of stories behind the business of esports. And we're talking here about the E-League finals broadcast that actually happened over the weekend. Now, of course, um, is this the the Twitter integration that you expected to happen? Because I remember last time we had you on, we, we, we talked about who the next big player would be. You had just put out an article saying that Twitter was likely to get involved in esports very soon. Is this kind of what you expected? You know, I let's put it to be frank. I honestly didn't think it was going to happen so quickly. And, and to be perfectly fair, it's not like they, they read my thing and then went go to the deal with Elix. Sure place for a long time right so i was just more surprised it happened so quickly but i think if you look at what twitter's done which is what i wrote about is they're just scooping up media rights across especially in the yep. sports landscape left and right so maybe then that that's not so surprising at all the one thing i want to add to on twitter that you know and i i put it out there in the in the article but i don't think that a lot of people caught it so i want to reiterate that is a lot of people don't know that this audience, the esports audience, completely lives on Twitter. Like, if you're not on Twitter or trying to engage there, that's the way they do it. Now, here's another statistic that a lot of people don't know either. I won't go into the exact number, but one of the larger drivers of Twitch traffic is through Twitter. So you know, like, all your favorite athletes or teams or whatever, when they go start streaming, what do they do? They go tweet, hey, guys, I'm streaming, right? So that connection between... Twitter and esports and gaming, I think, is like really crucial. So, I mean, this isn't like their first stop. I think they're going to go a little bit further. Something I thought was fun in your article is you caught the same thing I did. They preached that they reached 19 million viewers. And I went back and looked at all the viewership statistics like, okay, you had 200,000 that week. You had 250,000 the next week. 200,000, 10 weeks. Okay, that should be about two to two and a half million viewers. Where are they getting 19 million from? (laughs) <laughs> That's a good question. Now, to be to be honest, there is the number is actually fair. Actually, I'm writing about this tomorrow. That's going to be on CNL.media. Is like why these numbers, you know, I personally think shouldn't be out there because again, the Nielsen numbers, like you just talked about, is over average. It's been about 250,000 viewers. So even if every week 250,000 new viewers came in, 
um, you know, you're not even there close to that number. So the way the math worked is that the Nielsen numbers are the average over the entire three-hour time that E-League is on Friday. What Turner's uh, press release, or that, that, at least that number release, was that at one moment in time that someone potentially caught E-League for at least one minute gotcha. over the span of 11 weeks, then it's 19 million people. So my thing is that that's fine. That numbers are great. And at the end of the day, media companies need to sell advertising against their content. So that's how they make money. So if I'm out here saying, wow, the numbers aren't great and the numbers are slipping, they need to do something otherwise. So I get that from that perspective. It's just business. But that's the way the reason the numbers respond. And I think as this industry is so dormant, you know, we should just really focus on some more statistics that are even across the board. And I'll talk about what that means tomorrow. I mean, this is pretty typical marketing, though, right? I mean, I, I can't tell you the number of esports events that I've seen advertised. We had 50,000 attendees. No, you had 10,000 people five days in a row. That's not 50,000 attendees. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and, and this sort of skewing just happens all over the place. So are they technically wrong, as you say? No, but no, I mean, really... that's the thing. It's like they're not wrong at all. And here's the other thing. It's not like Turner, right? And we can get to, you know, why that is as well. But it's ESPN did the same thing when, um, you know, Evo Head Joey um, kind of revealed a 1.92 million, you know, unique number. It's the same math, right? It's like, okay, you know, the Street Fighter tournament drew, you know, 200,000 viewers. But over that course, if someone watched for one minute, then, okay, they reach 1.9 million people. So that's, it's the same thing. So every single media company does it. It's not just turn. It's just the way it works. Is, you know, I just hope there's just consistency because my thing is it's just harder for someone, like if you're a Toyota or a McDonald's or a General Motors, to really understand the opportunity that's when you right. see some of the stats around. So I just that's my only thing. Is like Let's just not confuse something that's so nascent. And let's be honest, it seems especially disingenuous to me, especially when you consider another statistic that you pointed out, and that is esports fans don't watch things for five or ten minutes. They sit down and they watch for two freaking hours. And this is kind of unprecedented amongst anyone in TV viewership apart from your hardcore, hardcore sports fans. So to present a 19 million mark of people who maybe had a glance at this in comparison to being able to confidently say, we have 500,000 people who watch this two hours every week, every single time. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what it gets them from a PR perspective, and I think I'd just rather see a little bit more useful statistics presented to us. Kevin, you actually nailed my third point that I was going to say tomorrow. So thank you for agreeing my mind <laughs> And you're exactly right. That's the thing. Is like The engagement time number, like that 90 million or whatever it was, or the average of about 90 minutes to two and a half hours, that the average, this is an average watch mm-hmm. time that an esports viewer has, that's a massive amount of audience consumption. So let's focus on, okay, fine, it may be a quarter million hardcore viewers, but that's still, you know, a long amount of time that brands can get their message across. I'm in total agreement with you is that engagement number is, is really unprecedented. As a matter of fact, even when you compare it to traditional, the, the hardcore TV sports audience, the esports audience index is way higher. They consume so much more content. Absolutely. We're talking here with Manny Anacol, who has recently started uh, TNL Media. You can find out his newest articles over at TNL.media. goes into the business side of esports there. Um, so let's actually talk about the championships themselves. The actual viewership figures for the day of the championship were not stellar, to be totally honest. It was lower than they had initially right out of the gates. Why, why do you think that is? 
still, you know, and to the clear, the numbers are about 201,000 total viewers for the finals, and they were averaging about 250,000. So that's a significant drop. Now, the next thing is, well, why did the semifinals get 295,000 viewers, right? So, you know, you would think the finals would draw more. So, again, this is still very early. Turner take a big gamble in doing this, though, and we don't have a lot of data, so that's a big question mark. So here's the thing that I'll raise that, Kevin, you and I have spoken about a lot of times is, you know, I wrote about three weeks ago after Val finally came out and you did the gambling ban, I was like, can we really tell if this gambling ban is going to affect viewership this early? And I said, I think it's going to be too early. Sure. However, if you really look at the numbers, past week eight, when the ban occurred, there's a you know pretty significant just downward curve. So I don't think you can discount the fact that the ban had some effect. And then when I went, you know, I did a little Twitter poll and asked some other people around. Again, you have to use data and opinions, you know, very carefully. But, again, you have to look at where your audience is talking. And Twitter is where the esports audience talks. Right now, the CS gambling ban, out of about three reasons, is number one. So I think that's you've got to talk about that. You know, and I did a poll, um, again, pretty informal, but another data point, uh, in which I got somewhere around five or 6,000 replies or something like that. And I pretty bluntly asked, I was like, do you think that this fallout from the, the, the gambling stuff is going to affect viewership of CSGO events? And fully half the people who responded said yes. And when half the people, half your audience is responding, yes, proactively, right out of the gate, that this is likely to affect things, in a very informal poll, that's, I mean, I don't want to say that the CSGO scene is threatened or anything like that. No, this is still the biggest game in the world. It's done incredibly well for itself. It's its majors are going to be seen by millions of people constantly. I, I, I think CSGO is fine now, but I think you're right. This has impacted it in at least a little bit, and I think we'd be wise to recognize that. Okay, so so how do you think, if you, I, I'm asking you to speculate at this point, but if you were a Turner exec, you were looking at these viewership numbers as a first effort into esports, gut instinct, how happy do you think they are with this? That's a very, very good question. And I would say my opinion probably a couple of hours ago might have been different. And I'll give you a, a little sneak peek on what I'm thinking about. You know, as I'm kind of thinking about, you know, kind of writing my sort of finals on, on E-League and where it's been, how it comes to effect, you know, a lot of it has, you know, at least my focus has been on the ratings because that's, again, how you measure media and content and sports and, and average, at least in one metric. So you, at least you have to go there. But as I've been thinking about it deeper, it's, well, what if you have, again, platforms that do other sports like baseball, where the average age is 53? Mm-hmm. What if you have platforms where you have a cartoon network that really appeals to this audience? What if you have a sports team that's potentially not getting to the audience that you're reaching? What if you have music outlets? What if you have other entertainment outlets? So as you start thinking bigger, it's, okay, maybe the ratings weren't great. Maybe it potentially didn't see their numbers, but... And again, I don't have their data, but if it drew new people to TBS, and it made, if it made Turner's brand just better and more hip and cool in a younger audience's eyes, then that's a success. So, you know, I want to think about that deeper. So from a Turner executive, it's from that overall arching picture, in the social side, what is the Turner's brand? I think that's big. And again, remember, Turner has so much other ancillary properties they could benefit out of this. So... What happens to season two? There hasn't been much announcements there. Obviously, the Overwatch thing's been said. I think that's a fantastic move. We know Overwatch is a great game. I think, I think right now, just without even looking at it, I think Overwatch is going to be awesome on that Saturday and do fine. But it'd be very interesting how they approach sort of a 
you know, Counter-Strike League for next season, you know, go, definitely will go shorter, but we'll see what happens there. I'm more interested, honestly, in Season 3 and where it goes further. Cause if they make that commitment, um, then I know we're here for the long time. I largely agree with your assessment about branding and the the idea that it might have changed some minds amongst our demographic about Turner's brand itself. It certainly did for me. Now, I will admit that I was previously a fan of Turner Properties. I watch Inside the NBA on a regular basis. I love their production and stuff. So I can't say that I was coming into this as not a fan or not aware of their brand. But the fact that they were willing to jump into this in such a big way, so organically, trying to do things the right authentic way, it has turned around my opinion, and I now view Turner in a very positive light in regards to what they're doing in this space. So I think as a branding exercise, you're exactly right. I think that that was beneficial for them. But I think we could probably agree that that was the biggest benefit that they received out of the season. Absolutely. I mean, the numbers weren't there. And again, you could, they could have run uh, reruns of Big Bang Theory have been fine. But I think you know, from the branding perspective and overall, and where they are in just general sports, you know, I think you know they made the big bet. Every other media company is holding off and watching this. So... You know, you have to give them kudos for taking that risk. And I think, you know, the arc of time is long. So hopefully we'll look back at this and as this just being the start and hopefully not um, a failed experiment on the side of the road.